Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Malachi, chapter 1. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. I was sitting at a stoplight this morning. The lady in front of me was going through papers on the seat of her car. The light changed green. She didn't move. With my window rolled up, I began screaming epithets and beating on my steering wheel. My screaming was interrupted by a police officer tapping on my window. He said I was under arrest. I said, you can't arrest me for hollering in my car. He ordered me into the backseat of his. After about two hours in a holding cell, the arresting officer advised me I was free to go. I said, I knew you couldn't arrest me for yelling in my own car. The officer replied, I didn't arrest you for shouting in your car. I was directly behind you at the stoplight. I saw you screaming and beating on your steering wheel, and I said to myself, what a jerk. But there's nothing I can do to him for throwing a fit in his own car. Well, then I noticed the cross hanging from your rear view mirror, the bright yellow Choose Life license tag, the Jesus is Coming bumper sticker, and the fish symbol, and I thought, you must have stolen this car. That's why, you know, I've told you. You know, if if you're going to be a bad witness, please take the Christian stuff off your car. Which which made me change my license plate, by the way. Because I was driving kind of crazy and I started feeling guilty about Pastor Rodney on the license plate. So I I actually did change that. Some of you did notice and brought that to my attention. So got a pen, got a pad, the book of Malachi. Why did I read that story? I don't know. No, really. You know, honestly, I, I read this story, and uh, give me your attention. I read this story, and, and, and I really did. It does kind of take us, lead us, kind of segue us into uh, the book of Malachi, because the book of Malachi is about uh, hypocritical leaders. The book of Malachi is about people and priests who are hypocritical, who have this kind of outward exterior. You remember Jesus said that on the outside, they... The Pharisees and the Sadducees were, were white like tombs, but inside they were dead men's bones. So on the outside, they had this, this appearance of and veneer of religiosity and uh, holiness, but on the inside, they, they were dead. And so God, in the book of Malachi, is addressing those kinds of people. That's why in my prayer, I was praying, Lord, cause us not to be people who are religious, and people who are hypocritical, and people who have this outward exterior, this outward show of some type of religiosity, but inside truly rejecting God and rejecting the work of God in your life. And, and the book of Malachi 
is just about that. You got a pen, you got a, a pad, I'm going to get you to take some notes tonight. Malachi, of course you know this probably, is the last of the last of the Old Testament prophets. The only thing that we know about Malachi is that we don't know much about Malachi. I found it to be interesting, actually. We really don't know that much about Malachi. We do know that the name Malachi means messenger. If you're taking notes, you can write that down. It literally means my messenger. But other than that, we, we don't know much about Malachi. There's no history about mom and no history of dad and no, no family history, no previous ministry history. We don't really know that much about him. And honestly, I got to tell you, we probably don't care that much to tell you the truth. We really don't care that much because I think the important thing about the book of Malachi is not the messenger. The important thing about the book of Malachi is the message. Not necessarily the messenger. Now listen, give me your attention. With a show of hands, how many of you know the name of your postman, the guy who delivers your mail? How many of you know the name of the guy? Okay. Are y'all telling the truth? Okay, four people out of this number. But most of us, we really don't know the name of the guy who delivers our mail. And quite honestly, we really don't care. And even if you did meet the guy, I mean, how many people, you know, take the time to ask him about his background? I mean, do you, do you ever ask him or have you ever asked him, you know, where did you go to school? I mean, where were you trained to deliver this postcard? <laughs> Nobody says that. I mean, did you graduate with honors? You know, who's your mom? I mean, we don't care about those things. We don't care. We really care about the mail that he brings or the message that he brings. Not unless, of course, he's bringing bills. Then we don't care about that either. But largely, we care about the message that he brings. And so we don't know that much about Malachi. It seems that Malachi was more concerned about being faithful than famous. Now, here's just a little bit of background, and then we'll get into uh, chapter one. But here's a little bit of background uh, and, and the time of the book. The book was written during Nehemiah's day, Nehemiah's day. The people had been back from Babylonian captivity after seven years. And so the people are back in the land at this time. The temple has been reconstructed. The walls of the city have been rebuilt. And so with the temple reconstructed and the walls of the city having been rebuilt, the people began to get comfortable. The people began to become complacent and lethargic and lazy toward God. The people actually had become lukewarm. And when you become lukewarm, outward forms of religiosity soon follow. You understand what I mean? When you become lukewarm, Outward forms of religiosity follow. That's why it's important to stay excited and fired up for Jesus. That was two people that agreed with me. <laughs> it's important to stay excited and fired up for Jesus. That, that's, that's very, very true. Because what happens is when you start to get lukewarm... You start to, oh, you know, church, oh, well, God, oh, well, devotion, oh, prayer, oh, the Bible. I mean, 
you know, it's all good. Then you start getting lukewarm, and you know what? After a while, you start acting religious. You start having this veneer and this show of religiosity. And that's what happened to the people. They started becoming lukewarm and lazy and complacent, and they started becoming very religious people outwardly. And so God is using Malachi to speak to the religious hypocrisy, and it's so bad, the religious hypocrisy is so bad that God actually stopped speaking to the people for 400 years. Thus, the 400-year period between the book of Malachi and Matthew. God had nothing to say to these religious hypocrites. And don't you know, God has nothing to say to religious hypocrites today. Nothing new under the sun. So we have the 400 silent years, we call it, until John the Baptist, who breaks the silence. Now, I've decided to entitle these four chapters here in the book of Malachi for the next several weeks. I'm going to title these sermons, Straight Talk from God. Straight Talk from God. Because the interesting thing about the book of Malachi, now stay with me, it's important to open a book and to lay a good foundation. You understand that? We do this every time we start a new book. It's very, very important because if you don't lay a good foundation and you don't set a good road map, you're probably going to end up at the wrong place. That's why we do this. Now, the interesting thing about the book of Malachi, like no other book, check this out. There are 55 verses in Malachi, and get this, 47 of them are spoken directly by God in the first person to Israel. 55 verses, 47 of them are spoken directly by God in the first person to Israel. That's the highest percentage of all the Old Testament writers coming from God in the first person. So the book is kind of written, if you will, as kind of a verbal tennis match back and forth. God speaks and then, and then the people answer and God speaks and God speaks and the people answer. So it's kind of like this verbal tennis match. The whole book is written this way. The whole book is also written with seven points of contention from God. God has a real problem, again, because of the religiosity of the people. So what I want to give you and want you to write down tonight, or you can get them even next week, but I'm going to probably give them to you again. But what the Lord does is the book, in this book, the Lord raises seven points of contention from God. Seven points of contention. We'll cover these over the next several weeks. Number one, the people were denying God's love. We're going to talk about that tonight in chapter one, verses two through five. The people were denying God's love. And then the people were defiling God's table. Again, chapter 1, verse 6 through 14. And then the people were devaluing God's word. Chapter 2, verse 1 through 9. And the people were deserting their wives. Chapter 2, verse 10 through 16. And then number 5, the people were distorting God's word. Talking about seven points of contention. The people are distorting God's word in chapter 2, verse 17. And then the people were depriving God's house, chapter 3, verse 8 through 12. And then finally, the people were degrading God's work in chapter 3, verse 13 through 15. So seven points of contention. 
Here's God's problem. The people were denying his love and defiling his table, devaluing his word, deserting their wives, distorting God's word, depriving God's house, and degrading God's work. These are the issues that the Lord through Malachi is raising with the people. This is what we will be talking about for the next several weeks. So with that said, be that as it may, Malachi chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. Saints, if you're with me, say amen. Amen. The burden of the word of the Lord to Israel by Malachi. He's Italian. Malachi. Notice in verse 2, I have loved you, says the Lord. Yet you say, in what way have you loved us? Was not Esau Jacob's brother, says the Lord? Yet Jacob I have loved, underline this, and Esau have I hated. And laid waste his mountains and his heritage for the jackals of the wilderness. Even though Edom has said, we have been impoverished, but we will return and build the desolate places. Thus says the Lord. Edom says this, God says this. They may build, but I will throw down. They shall be called the territory of wickedness and the people against whom the Lord will have indignation forever. Your eyes shall see and you shall say the Lord is magnified beyond the border of Israel. Now stop right there. Give me your attention. Already we learn from whom, to whom, and through whom. From whom the Lord. To whom Israel. Through whom, who saints, Malachi. Very good. Now notice in your Bibles it says the burden of the Lord. We've talked about this in the past. I certainly won't belabor it tonight. But the burden of the Lord, we talked about a burden is something that is heavy. Something that is heavy. And so the burden that is heavy is weighty. It's weighty. And God speaks through the prophet because the people's sin is is weighty on God. And so he gives his prophecy to Malachi. It's a burden. It's something weighty. And in the Bible, by the way, it is interesting. Whenever God sends a prophet to speak to the people, listen, it's because the people are not listening. Whenever God sends a prophet to the people, it's because the people are not listening to God. So God gives Malachi a word which is heavy and weighty on his heart. Notice in your Bibles, God opens up the prophecy by saying, I have loved you. And Israel starts to whine to God. In what way have you loved us? You notice that God says, I've loved you. Israel says, really? In what way have you loved us? They said, well, if God loves us, then Why have we been oppressed? Because remember, they had come through a very difficult time of 70 years of Babylonian captivity. So they say, you know, well, if God loves us, then then why have we been oppressed? If God loves us, then why have we gone through tough times in the captivity? God doesn't love us, they say. Look how lousy things are for us. If God loved us, then why am I sick? I mean, people even still today say, you know, well, if God loves me, then, then why, why is everything bad in my life? People seem to think that when bad things happen, that God doesn't love them. 
can I, can, can, I, can I share something with you? Or when you are being punished or when you are being chastised, for some reason, we tend to think that God doesn't love us. Let me share something with you that, that most people don't understand, and that is the discipline of God. Most people do not understand the discipline of God, just like most children don't understand the discipline of their parents. I mean, they don't. I mean, most children don't understand when parents say, well, this is going to hurt me more than it hurts you. Kids are thinking, then why don't you just beat yourself? I mean, we've all thunk it before. But people don't understand that, listen, God brings punishment because, listen to this, God brings punishment because he loves us. Amen, Amen. Amen, saints? You understand. If you're a parent, you certainly understand this. God brings punishment not to hurt us, but because he loves us. Hebrews chapter 12 Verse 5 through 11, I want to read it to you and I want you to see it because this is a huge verse and you should jot it down and seek to remember it. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 5 through 11 says, My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him for whom the Lord loves, he what saints, chastens, and he scourges every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the father of spirits and live? For they indeed for a few days, human fathers, chasten us as seemed best to them. But he, God, for our what? For our profit, that we may be partakers of his holiness. Now, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. God chastens those that he loves. Parents chasten those children Because they love them. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 24 tells us, He who spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him promptly. Now, the world would totally disagree with that. I know the world is saying to the church, even to Christians, are starting to buy into this. Well, you know, I'm not going to spank my child because if I spank my child, I'm going to hurt their psyche. This is the world's wisdom. Don't spank Johnny, because if you spank Johnny, then he's going to grow up thinking that it's okay to be violent. Look, let me tell you something. I come from the old school, y'all. Let's just talk straight. I come from the old school, okay? When I I came up, look, you could get get smacked by your neighbor. Y'all remember them? They say, man, if you remember. I'm telling you, I remember the time when if you did something... Your neighbor would spank you. And then your neighbor would go to your mama and tell your mama what you did. And you guessed it, she would spank you. (laughs) Then your mama would tell your father. And when he got home, guess what? You guessed it, he would spank you. And by the time they were done, you had no psyche. (laughs) 
If you understand, say amen. amen. What is up with the world today? The Bible says, listen, if you love your child, you will not spare the rod. You won't spare the rod. If you love them, according to the scriptures, if you don't spank your child, you don't love them. If God does not chasten you, he doesn't love you. The Bible is very clear about that. So the chasing of the Lord speaks of the fact that God loves us. And I realize it's hard for us as natural human people and children to understand that. But the Bible is very, very clear about that. We discipline our children because we love them. And we know that if we never discipline them, they will grow up selfish, self-centered, out of control, and probably in jail. I've often told my children, I discipline you because I love you. I discipline you because if I don't and you go out in the world and do what you're doing here or you don't obey the law, you don't learn respect, you don't learn authority, a couple things going to happen. Number one, if you don't learn respect as a child in the home, you are not going to learn to respect God the Father if you can't respect your earthly father. That's why it's important to teach that. Kids, listen up. That's why your mom and your dad is trying to teach you. Because they're trying to teach you that you need to respect your earthly father, and it also is a reflection, and it will teach you how to respect your heavenly father. Also, as an earthly father, chastening our children, we are preparing them to go out into the world. We're preparing them to respect authority. That's why a lot of times when, you know, I told my kids, listen, when the police tell you to stop, you need to stop. If they happen to pull you over for something that you have done or not, when they tell you to stop and obey, you do it. But they don't learn that if they don't learn that in the home. So you've got to train your children in the home to prepare them to go out into the world. This is why God chastens us, because he loves us. I will chasten my kids out of love. The police and the world will chasten them out of hate and indifference. They won't care. I've told that to my kids. I'm tough on you because I care. Because when you go out there, guess what? They're not going to care. They'll, they'll shoot you, where, at least where I come from, you can get shot in the back. That's just the real. that's the world, y'all. I mean, I understand we live in Apex and that stuff doesn't happen here. <laughs> But go 11 miles up the road to Raleigh, and it happens there. So we chasten our children because we love them. So when God disciplines us, it's because he loves us. And if God didn't love us, he wouldn't discipline us. You understand that? Say amen. Amen. Very important. And so they ask, in what way has God loved them? And then God says, if you want to know, now you got to get this. God says, if you want to know how much I love you, look back at Jacob and Esau. Look back at Jacob and Esau. Now, we all know the story. Of course you do. Abraham had a son named Isaac, and Isaac married a woman. What was her name? Rebecca. You know that. And she got pregnant. And, and, and Rebecca, the story goes, felt her stomach rumbling. And she asked God, she said, Lord, what's going on? And God said, there are two nations in your womb, Jacob and Esau, and they're fighting against each other. And they are twins, and the elder shall serve the younger, which is pretty unusual. 
So Jacob became the father of the 12 tribes of Israel. And Esau became the father of the Arab nations. And Jacob and Esau were at war in Rebekah's womb. And Jacob and Esau are at war today. Isn't that interesting? So God went out of the natural order to choose. Here's the operative word. Listen closely. To choose Jacob, the second born, to receive the blessing. God chose, God elected Jacob over Esau. Now, Romans chapter 9, verse 10 through 13 reads this. Not only this, but when Rebekah also had conceived by one man, even by our father Isaac, for the children not yet being born, note this, nor having done any good or evil. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.